Welcome back to the Gathering Place of All Nations. This Sunday morning, Pastor John Irving spoke about Psalm 37, Instructions for Hope. Let's check in. So today, we're going to um, exegete. We're going to examine in depth a powerful portion of Scripture. And my desire is that it will be of great encouragement, strength, and challenge for each person here. I'm praying that this portion of Scripture will be in your remembrance from here till eternity. That this will be a portion of Scripture that you go back to over and over and over again. It's a portion you're not familiar with, but I'm hoping by the end of this message today, you will be very familiar with this portion of Scripture. All right? Uh, The key I want to talk about here today is hope, but I'm not going to bounce around like I have done in other times speaking about the different uh, verses on hope. All right? What I want to do is I want to look at one portion of Scripture. It has hope woven in and, in and through it, even though it doesn't mention hope all the time. There's 40 verses that we're going to go in. The Bible does say just one verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And the enemy is trying to bring in fear, discouragement, depression, hopelessness, uh, suicide. He's trying to get us to a place where we don't think we have any power, that we are, we are without resources. I'm telling you, it's a lie. By the end of today, I'm hoping that this, this, this portion of Scripture that we're going to read will give you an incredible, incredible um, joy and, and, and strength, all right? And so, um, folks, the best is still ahead. The worst is still ahead, too, but the best. As Christians, we can choose. Is the glass half empty or half full? All right? We we are looking at the best, the richest time, the most miracles, the most people getting saved, all right, And, and the strength to be overcomers. So what portion of Scripture is this? Turn in your Bibles. It's a psalm, and it's Psalm 37, and... Most of you will probably not be overly familiar with this portion of Scripture, but there are a couple of verses that uh, ring out and stand out that almost everybody has heard, all right? And uh, uh, this is a wisdom um, portion of Scripture, wisdom psalm. It's part of the wisdom. It's like... It's similar in style to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is written to men to encourage them, or women, to encourage them, young people specifically, to walk close, to go after wisdom. To the Wisdom is the principal thing. This is written in that style. This, this psalm is not written to God. This is written by David. Uh, it's very similar to Psalm 73. We're not going to go to 73, but if you want to read 73 or write that in uh, Psalm 37, they're kind of twin psalms. Uh, David didn't write 73. Asfa wrote 73. All right, but they say the same things. And uh, we have the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And I think it's very important. We're seeing wickedness on all sides. It's important that we know what God says about the wicked. And it's important that we know what God says about the righteous because that's the camp that we're in. And so I want to really encourage you today. Uh, This is a psalm that end times, I believe, will be a great strength to the church, the people of God. And so with that said... Let's just dig right into it here. We're going to go verse by verse, and some verses we'll spend a little bit of time on. Some verses we won't spend much time on. All right, if you have your Bibles open, where I'm reading from the NIV today, and uh, uh, one more thing about 
the Psalm 37. It is uh, an acrostic poem. I'm not going to uh, flesh that out. Some similar to Psalm 119 where uh, you go through the alphabet of the Hebrew uh, letters um, in successive order, uh, but it's not quite as long. It's 40 verses, not uh, 176 verses of Psalm 119. All right, let's start. Verse 1, be encouraged. Do not fret or do not worry because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. So we have this do not fret. In the modern uh, vernacular, we might say, hey, don't get worked up about this. All right, don't get to the boiling point. Don't be overwhelmed by what you're seeing about the wicked in, the, in our life today. And anybody, I've got my hand up. I've gotten worked up about the evil that I'm seeing in the world. All right, and I have to remind myself, Jesus is on the throne. All right, and that's what this, this uh, psalm is going to do. Uh, so do, do not get worked up uh, about what we're seeing in the world right now. Do not worry uh, that's what uh, Matthew chapter 6, he comes out and do not worry about uh, where you're going to get your food, where you're going to get your clothing. Don't, do not, the, the, uh, the lilies of the field, they don't work, but they're more beautiful than, than the finest clothes and, and, and the, 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 uh, uh, the sparrows. God, doesn't, God sees every sparrow when they fall. And, and aren't we worth more than sparrows? So don't, don't worry about what is happening in the world. Uh, for like grass, they will soon wither. Green plants will soon die away. When you think of Israel, you think of the rainy season. And once the rainy season comes, I've been there a number of times. I've been there when, when, it, when it was. I was there for a couple of weeks once, and the rains came, and this brown hill suddenly turned green like that overnight overnight the same the same uh the the uh brown hills that you see in the pictures that i've driven by many times and in the next day or two we drove by them again all of a sudden they're all green it, it's that fast it's that quick all right how god how the the grass comes but when it the sun comes out and when the rain stops, it, uh, it dies away. And that's what God is saying. He's saying that the wicked is here. They're flourished for a little time, but their time is coming to naught. And he repeats this over and over and over. He's trying to use repetition to get it into our spirit that there's a difference between those that are walking and living for him and those that are plotting against him. Verse 3. Praise God. Trust. Everybody say trust. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Enjoy safe pasture. Isn't that Psalm 23 comes to mind of safe pasture? All right. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will set your path straight and the next verse goes on to say fear the lord all right and and so we need to trust trust is important do you know that trust has is is established it's been shown studies that trust is established or not established by the time you're five years old and the enemy is working very hard to try to stop kids from getting that trust. Broken families, hurting, different situations, all right, are trying to break that trust that's supposed to be there. And, and it's, it's once, if you don't have trust, then it's hard to gain it back. And then you get into all kinds of psychological and you get into all kinds of emotional uh, deficiencies when you don't have basic trust. But the beautiful thing is if we begin to lean on the Lord, that, that trust can be restored. And that's a trust that begins to 
be rooted inside of us to a place that we're sure, we have a sure foundation. That's, he's going to mention trust and commit a few times in this psalms, in this psalm, all right? Trust in the Lord and do good, all right? And so faith cures fretting. I like that expression I saw. Faith cures fretting, all right? And he says, I do not fret, I think it's three times in this psalm. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday. You know, there's sometimes I just like reading and expanding, you know, uh, expository preaching, that's what it's called. Expounding on the word of God, not just kind of speaking uh, a nice, feel-good message uh, without getting really into the meat of the word. And I believe sometimes when you really just focus in on the word, the word changes people, all right? That's, that's my desire is that you can have something to take home. Like you can leave here today and say, I had steak and potatoes here. I had some meat today because we got right into the word and that you can let this digest over the next uh, little bit. And so, uh, uh, and, and, and let it, you know, like a cow, maybe regurgitate it, you know, and chew on it some more. Praise God. So trust. Trust in the Lord. Do, do good. Dwell in the land. Enjoy safe passage. Take delight. He says this several times, talking about delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. All right, this delight is a deliberate redirection of our emotions. Do not let your emotions drive the train. All right? Emotions, like, you know, are, and I've said this a few times, but I still like it. Emotions should be the caboose on the train. Emotions should follow your decisions. That Your decisions are the engine of your life. What you choose, what you desire, what, what, you, uh, what, what you commit your will to, all right, should be, like, for example, marriage. All right, marriage should not be run on emotions. Anybody that's been married longer than three months, all right, knows that emotions can come and go. <laughs> and so if you feel one day, six months after you're married, six years, whatever, the seven-year itch, you know, whatever you want to call it. If you base your life on your emotions in your marriage, your marriage is not going to last. It's built, being built on the sand. But if you decide that I, when you get married, that uh, this is for life, then that's the way it's supposed to be. And the emotions that come and go, your emotions can be way up high on your wedding day and way down low, three or three months or three years later, all right? But you made a commitment. Same with our walk with God, all right? We, can, we may or may not have an emotional, I didn't have an emotional high when I accepted the Lord. I had an encounter, all right? I, I knew something had happened, but actually I was in a, I was in a cult before that, and, uh, and it, the cult said uh, that uh, emotions, all right, um, uh, you don't live by, again, you don't live by your, your emotions. It says that uh, uh, emotions are invalid, are invalid. Emotions are not real. So therefore, don't trust your emotions. Well, I'm telling you, emotions are real. Just don't live by them. And God gave us emotions. We need to sanctify our emotions. When we get high into the presence of God, glory to God, all right? Uh, but we don't have to live in the, in, in the low part. Glory to God. And, um, and so let's keep our emotions in check. And so let's make our commitments and trust the Lord. Let's delight in the Lord. Let's choose deliberately to follow him. Uh, God delights in us as well. It's not that we just delight in him. In, uh, in Proverbs 8.35, it says, God delights in his sons and daughters. Can you imagine? Look, turn to someone and say, God delights in you. God delights in you. Woo! 
Wow. Now, this next part, I read it this week, um, and this psalm has been on my spirit for about two weeks, especially a couple of verses. And I read this in some a commentary, commentary uh, notes, and I struggled with this for a couple of days. But now I'm seeing there's some merit to this. Anybody ever heard the word hedonism? Hedonism. It's, it's, uh, it, it's an idolatry of pleasure. You know, um, you know Tom, come on up here. I, I'm, I'm going to do something here. All right? And uh, I, it's a little play that I, I've used many, many times to stand up here, Tom. All right? And... Um, and uh, now you have to imagine that he's got a sign up here saying, I'm a hedonist, all right? So hold your sign. I, in other words, he loves pleasure. And I, I, I come up to him and says, oh, what's that? And you say, I, 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 I'm a hedonist, all right? And, and, and so then he would say, I would say, what does that mean? He would say, well, whatever, I do whatever it feels good. Whatever feels good, I do it. <laughs> so then, then, then I would go like this. I would wind up and go, all right. Then he would say, well, why'd you do that? Well, it felt pretty good to me. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And so we, we know that hedonism uh, in and of itself is wrong. But they use the word Christian hedonist. Now, maybe that's, maybe that's blasphemy. I don't know. Uh, but the, 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 the idea was that a Christian hedonist takes pleasure only in him. All right? Only in God. We delight in God. That is where we get our pleasure. That is where we get our, our hope, our desire. That is where when we delight in him, we spend time in his presence, something happens inside of us. Something that happened inside of these students down in Asbury. They just waited on God and his presence came in and, and something changed. Something broke off. People that were depressed were no longer depressed. All right, we, we've had three years of a pandemic of people being put down and manipulated and controlled and told what to do, all right? And now God is saying, okay, this is almost like Mount, uh, Mount Carmel, where, where you have Elijah uh, uh, talking to the Baal worshipers, the priestess, and saying, let's have a little contest. It's almost like God said, all right, let's have a little contest. All right, devil, you, you, you take it. You got three years. Do what you can. And he put people down, and he took, he isolated us, and he said to take these jabs, and he said to do this, and he said to do that. And, and people it's, shut down the schools and put a, a, a diaper on your mouth and, 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 uh, and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. All right? Uh, and then people are coming out. And then God's saying, okay, now it's my turn. <laughs> I'm going to build my altar. And that's what's happening right now. God is breaking forth, and, and the fire of God is falling from heaven. Come on, and it's unquenchable. Let's delight in the Lord. Then it says here, commit. Again, it's a decision. Commit. You know, you can commit to... Um, to uh, exercising one hour every day. You can commit to a job. You can commit to a person, to a spouse. You can commit to your family. You, there's things that we can commit to. You can commit to memorizing scripture. You can commit to uh, learning a new sport and, and getting good at it. There's many things that we can commit to, but what we need to do is commit our way to the Lord. That has to be our number one. Not just trust, but decide that we're going to live our lives for him. Um, so verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. Vindication. Wow. He's going to set things straight. 
He is going to set things straight. It's going to be clear to everybody. It's going to be at high noon, so to speak. The Bible says to let your light shine before all men. Matthew 6. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. There is, um, there's, there's coming a time when everything that is hidden will be revealed. Verse 7, be still, or another version says, rest before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Part of delighting in God is being still. Be still and know that I am God in Psalm 46. What does being still mean? Do not murmur. Do not complain. Don't go through life say, I can't believe that the, 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 our prime minister did this and, or this happened or that or they're doing this or they're doing that. All right? There's all kinds of stuff that is happening. All right? We don't have to uh, look very far to see what's happening in our world right now, the wickedness that is happening. Uh, I believe it's good to be informed and I like to be informed, but we are not to worry about it. We're not to worry about it. We're not to be consumed by it. We're to be consumed by this book. That's what we're to, we're to trust in God and not what we're seeing. Trust, trust our, our, what, what God is doing, not what we're seeing with our eyes, but with our faith. Our faith. Do not fret. There it is again. Do not fret. fret. When people succeed in their ways and they carry out their wicked schemes. The Bible, over and over, David talks about this many other uh, psalms. That, uh, and David cries out once or twice. Why are the wicked succeeding? Why are the wicked wealthy? Why are the wicked? You know, I, I, to be honest, I have wondered that. I've wondered why so-and-so and such-and-such. Such. Why, why are they advancing? Why, is, why does God allow that? Why, you know, where is... Uh, where is God when good people are hurting, all right? We, 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 we can ask those are honest, genuine, heartfelt questions, all right? What did Jesus do when he was accused? He was silent. That was his motive operandus. Verse 8, refrain or cease from anger and turn from wrath. All right? We need to be careful that we're not angry at the elites. We need to pray for them. The plots and plans that they're scheming, all right? Uh, be careful that you don't allow bitterness to creep in, a root of bitterness to come into your life about anything, all right? And so, uh, again, it says, uh, do not fret. That's the third time in eight verses. Uh, and if we do worry, it leads only to evil. Worry is not a constructive emotion, I've said this many times. I found my mother was a warrior. Anybody have mothers that were warriors? All right. It seems to be part of motherhood to some degree. All right. I got to the place where you know, I was driving home to Sudbury, Capriol, and uh, I would tell her, well, I'm planning to be home at 8, and then I'd arrive at 7.30. So therefore, she didn't have any time to worry. <laughs> she didn't start to worry. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, um, for those who are evil will be destroyed over and over and over again. God says that, that the wicked will be destroyed. All right? So they're not going to prosper. They're not getting away with anything. Somebody murders somebody and you think that, that they got away with it, there comes a day of reckoning. All right? Judgment is coming. God has seen all and will unless they repent. Uh, there will be uh, consequences. Now, here's the worst first word of hope. But those who hope, and that's what I wanted to share today about hope. But those that hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And several times he talks about inherit the land in this scripture. There's, there's something about repetition. When, we, when God repeats something several times, it's important that we need to get this message. Please let these words go deep because you're going to say, John, you're just repeating yourself. Well, this is scripture. God's repeating it. And if he's repeating it, it's because we need to hear it more than once. All right? And so we have verse 10. A little while, uh, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. Verse 11. 
But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Again, inherit the land. All right, so the fate of evildoers, they will be cut off. They will be cut off. Now, our job right now is not to pray judgment on evildoers. We're to pray for them to get saved. That We're to pray. All right, I remember Karen Dunham. I don't know, some, she was here not many years ago when we first bought the bowling alley. She came, and we went out in, in the creek, and we put a, put a uh, uh, we, we, we blessed the waters, and just a, one of the most powerful, um, not just women, one of the most powerful apostles in the world I've ever met. The first time I met her in Israel, I almost wanted to fall to my knees and weep because I felt the presence of God. She lived in Jericho for many years. She was uh, <clears throat> a, a, a single mom, and her son at that time was 11 or 12, and she lived amongst the Muslims, and they persecuted, burnt her car, burnt her house, did all kinds of things against her, and yet she was stood to the point where the Israeli government, the army, recognized that the turnaround for peace that came in Jericho was because of her. The government and the army said we now have peace in Jericho because of her. And they invited her to come to, and they, they gave her a piece of property in Jerusalem to start a church, all right, in the Muslim quarter of Jerusalem. And she's gone down into the, um, into Gaza. She now travels the world an American woman living in Israel. And uh, uh, so anyway, uh, we support her. Some of your tithe goes to support her. Once or twice a year, we, we take a portion, 1% uh, of our offering goes to Israel. All right, just so you know that we have 10% that goes as God, and then we take an additional 1% and we give it to, it, to Israel. And part of that 1%, once or twice, uh, one or two months, we send it to Karen Dunham. And uh, so anyway, um, just a powerful, powerful woman of God. And, and uh, she taught us a lot about, uh, taught me a lot. There, there is, we can be strong in the Lord, all right? And uh, we need to hope. Uh, the wicked will be no more. And the wicked tried to destroy her, but she overcome I'll just tell you one more story, and then I've got to keep going. I'm not even anywhere near being finished. But uh, the last time they tried to burn her house down, um, she went to the mayor of Jericho, and, and she was upset. She says, how dare you? I don't, I don't mind if you burn my cars, and I don't mind if you do this, but uh, you turned off my water. You turned off my water, and then you came and you set fire to my uh, shame on you. She went to the mayor of Jericho, this Muslim city, and she just lambasted him. And he says, you're right, that's not right. And he made a decree that nobody's to touch this woman anymore in the entire city. All right? And that was one of the ways that breakthrough began. That, that, was, the, that was during the time of Arafat. Remember Arafat? All right, this is, this is the time that we're talking about. All right, a righteous person. All right, the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. All right, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy prosperity. All right, the wicked, verse 12, the wicked plotted against the righteous and gnashed their teeth at them. You know, the, the WEF is coming against uh, people. The, the, the elites hate the righteous Christians. Our prime minister hates the church. All right, so does, uh, so does, and the left hates the church, and they want to destroy the righteous because we're the only thing stopping their agenda. There's an agenda of evil and darkness, and the only thing that is stopping them is Rod. Is David, Deidre, Tom, all right, Jack, all right, Leo, all right, Louise, Lee, Gail, the only thing stopping them is Melanie. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. We are the only thing that's standing in the way of their plans. All right. Their plans will win at some point because God said it would. 
but not until it's his time, not their time. All right? But listen to this, and I love that this is, this is like Psalm 2, verse 4. All right? He who sits in the heavens laughs. All right? But here it's verse 13. I wrote in my Bible, I, I, I correlated the two of them. Verse 13, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. All right? God knows the end. Verse 14, the wicked draw the sword and bend their bow. They've got their own plans. They take aim against the righteous, against the church. One of the ways they did it uh, during the pandemic. Well, uh, pot, which was just legally uh, uh, legalized just in the last couple of years. Oh, pot places are essential. Liquor and beer stores, they are essential. But the church, non-essential. All right, non-essential. Non-essential. Not anymore. Not ever again will we allow them to say the church is not essential. Come on. And why? To bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken, just like Haman. Remember Haman in the book of Esther? He hated Mordecai, and he bit, built a gallow for Mordecai, and he had an edict that on such and such a day that everybody was to take the sword and cut down and kill all the Jewish people. What happened was the tables turned, and Mordecai was hung on his own gallows, all right? That's what's going to happen. The enemy is plotting wickedness, but it will boomerang against him, all right? Verse 16, better is a little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. Folks, it's okay to be ambitious. It's okay to, 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 uh, to be a business person. And, and, and go and make much money and whatnot. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the root, the, the root of, uh, uh, of, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. When you love it, you want to have more of it. That is the root. Having money, money is a good thing. Money, you can buy you, somebody a house. Here, David, here's a house for you, all right? Here's the keys, all right? You know, there's nothing wrong with money. Money, you can do a lot of good in the world. Come on. But it's the root where you're, 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 you're envious and you're hungry. And, you know, you can, you, can be, uh, you can have the love of money even if you don't have money. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're poor and broke, you're just saying, well, if I just win this lottery, you know, if I just, you know, I, if I get some money, then things will turn around. No, how about we start living now, all right, the way we're supposed to. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Are you getting the picture here? This goes on for another 20-some scriptures, all right? Uh, 18, the blameless spend their days under the Lord's care. When you have a clear conscience with God, he's watching over you. And their inheritance, again, that word inheritance, will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy Plenty. We're coming into days of famine now, folks. Very deliberate, very purposeful, the way they're destroying uh, food uh, plants and whatnot and uh, polluting the land, and, and, and I won't go down this road any further. But they are, there, there is a famine that the Bible says in the book of Revelation, the, I think it's the third horse uh, of the, 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 the third seal, the, the, the um, black horse, is going to be a famine, and it's coming, and we see the beginnings of it. But you remember Elijah, when he said there'll be no more rain, and a famine hit the land, God took care of him. He was by a brook where there's just a little bit of water, and the ravens dropped food, an unclean bird dropped food. Unclean means somebody that's not of God, all right? And then when, that, when the brook dried up, he went north, and what happened was he found a lady that had a little bit of meal, a little bit of bread, 
and he says, give me a piece first. Almost cruel. Almost like, we're going we're gonna, to, I'm making my bread, my, my, my son and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to die. He says, well, first give me a piece. It's almost cruel, but he knew that if, he, if they did that, if, he, if he, we put God first in our lives, he will sustain us. He will take care of us, and the jar never ran out. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Glory to God. But the wicked will perish. When you're listening to the news, all right, and take the news with uh, a bit of a grain of salt. Don't get overly consumed by it. All right, I'm preaching to myself here now. Glory to God. Although the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, in other words, temporary, all right, they will be consumed. They will go up in smoke, just like if you see a grass fire or whatever, all right? They're, they're going to be burnt up. Verse 21, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. All right, what's the big difference between the righteous and the wicked? The wicked are takers. They're takers, and they don't give back. Take, 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 take. What, are, what about the righteous? What about believers? Givers. God loves a generous giver. Giving. And the offering's already been taken. Don't worry. All right? Generous. Generous. You want to give. You want to sow. Sometimes you're generous uh, 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 more than what you have. And those the Lord blesses will inherit the land again. But <coughs> those he curses will be destroyed, the wicked. Verse 23, the Lord makes firm steps of the one who delights in him. That's the NIV. But I've heard it said that the Lord orders the steps of a righteous man. One of the first verses I ever memorized. The Lord, this is, this is where most of you, anybody heard that verse before? The Lord orders a righteous man, all right, or a righteous woman's footsteps. God leads, he guides us in the ways of righteousness, it says in Psalm 23. Uh, Though he may stumble, he will not fail, fall, for the Lord upholds him with his righteous right hand. I don't know you about you, but I've stumbled once or twice in the last 40 years. That's once or twice a day. <laughs> uh, anybody else stumble uh, on occasion? All right. If, if you have never stumbled, I'm giving you the mic. You're preaching next week. <laughs> You're better than I am. All right. Uh, though he stumble, he will not fall. And this, this word here, uh, the one is usually in, in a man in the King James, which is Gerber, all right? Not, not, not the baby f- of food, Gerber, all right? It's for everyone, but it, it means a warrior. It means someone strong. It means someone that is on the alert, someone that is uh, awake, uh, someone that has their full armor on. This is the person that he's going to make... Uh, order his footsteps. We need to become strong in God, not weak and, and feeble and, 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 and such. We need to get uh, our armor on. We need, to, we need to be men and women that fight the, with the word of God. Come on. All right? Those are the ones God is going to uphold. Uh, those that are weak and hurting and, and broken, he, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah that he blows fire on. He doesn't break off. He doesn't cast off. He's going to try to make you come alive. He's going he's gonna to work with you, woo with you, all right? He loves you no matter what place you are in, all right? And here is the wisdom principle of the, of the, of the psalm, verse 25. I was young and now I'm old. So now we know that David is writing this as an old man. He's not a young man writing this. He's an old man. He's gained some wisdom. And what does he say? Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Now, this is a wisdom principle. It's kind of like the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Children, obey your parents, for you will have long life. There's a promise of long life. 
Now, we, we know that this is a principle. It doesn't mean that every single scenario fits this. If you go down to Sick Kids Hospital, you'll see some people that are really hurting, all right? And some of them are Christian parents, and, and we don't understand why. But there is a principle. The principle about obeying your parents is that if you begin to understand authority and honor authority, it will go well with you. You'll obey your, your, your parents, your teachers, the police, the government. All right, although sometimes I'm not sure about the government. But anyway, uh, we are supposed to. Anyway, we're supposed to. We're, we're talking about that in our course on, uh, on Wednesday mornings undercover. Um, and so it doesn't mean that every single circumstance, there's people I've seen in some countries I've traveled and some of them, some of the children are really in, in bad shape and whatnot. But the principle is that if you are righteous, your children will be taken care of. All right. And I believe that principle is universal and applicable. And we can pray that in that God will supernaturally provide for our families. All right. And then we have verse 27. And it's 27. Look at that. It's 27 after. And I still got, I'm going to read through these verses and not spend too much time on each one of them. But just listen to these, these verses. Turn from evil and do good. Afterwards, I'm going to ask if Helena will come up. And we're just going to have a little bit of soaking, a little bit more time in the spirit. If you need to go, you just feel released to go. Uh, this morning we will, oh, we have communion. Oh, wow. Yes, we have communion. So we'll have communion in just a few moments. Let me just read through this. I'm not going to share a lot. It, the, the pattern repeats over and over and over again. Turn from evil and do good, and then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. All right, wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous, there it is, will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Verse 30, the mouths of the righteous will utter Wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. And with their tongue, speak what is just. All right, James 3 on the tongue. The law of, the, of their God is in their hearts. Jeremiah said his word is in our hearts. Uh, all right, for the people in the New Testament. Their feet do not slip. It's firm. Our, our walk with God is firm. We'll, we're going to stand. Verse 32, the wicked lie in wait for the righteous intent on putting them to death, but the Lord will not leave them in their power of the wicked or let them be condemned when brought to trial. All right, uh, there, is, there is coming a, a judgment. Here we go. Hope, hope. Everybody say hope. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. This is the key of this Psalm is hope, especially in, in these end times. He will exalt you to inherit the land. The fifth time he has said this, inherit the land in this psalm. And the wicked are destroyed. You will see it. Revelations 18, we have the merchants weeping when they see Babylon falling in one hour. Verse 35, I've seen the wicked and the ruthless man flourishing like a luxurious native tree. Now, we see the image in Psalm 1-3 of the righteous flourishing like a tree, and whose leaves does not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. But here, it's the wicked flourishes. There's a time that the wicked will flourish, all right? But he soon passed away. Soon the tree's going to be cut down. Soon the roots are going to be uprooted, all right, to the place that's no more. Anybody ever took down a, a tree and pull it up and smooth it over and that, uh, that tree is, is gone? There's no, no stump, no tree, no, no, no appearance of anything ever again. Though I looked for him, I could not find him. That's the fate of the wicked. Consider the blameless, verse 37. Observe the upright. A future awaits for those who seek peace. There's a, we have a bright future. But all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. Repeatedly, repeatedly, he reminds us of their fate. Six times in this psalm, David speaks of the fate of the wicked. 
The salvation of the righteous, verse 39, comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. Folks, during these days ahead, whatever may come, God is our stronghold. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. David has that all the time. Run into the fortress. Jesus is my rock. All right? Higher ground. Can we trust God? He is our hope, our eternal hope, our hope for right now. All right? Do not, folks, do not be discouraged. Even if something happens, whether it be sickness, financial, relational, or anything else that comes into your life, do not be discouraged. Put your hope in God. Trust in God. Be encouraged. That's why God is sending, one of the reasons he's sending this revival is to encourage the saints right now, but also to reach the lost. Amen. And um, we're going to ask um, Helena to come right now, and we're, I'm going to pray, and we're going to do communion. I'm going to ask the ushers to come to hand out the communion. Glory to God. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Just take a moment to reflect. Where are you? Are you in the encouraged group or the discouraged group? You know, and maybe you're like me. You, you can waffle between the two. All right? But today, let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. He is with us. He is for you. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit, touch each and every person, Lord, here. Anyone that's discouraged, maybe there was a disappointment in your life in the last week or last month or last few months. Maybe there's something that happened that you're questioning God and saying, God, where were you? Now's the time to realize that God is always with you. We don't understand why things happen. We didn't understand why we went three years of a pandemic. But that was God's grace and his mercy to prepare us for what is coming that's even worse. But the best is also ahead. So let's pray this prayer together. I'm, I'm going to pray it and you come in agreement with it, all right? Lord, I pray that everybody here will be encouraged today, strengthened, built up. Lord, we put on our full armor, our helmet of salvation, our breastplate of righteousness, our gospel shoes, the belt of truth. Lord, we lift up the shield of faith. And finally, we lift up the sword the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The Bible says when we've done all that we can do, we're to stand. And Father, we're standing. We're not standing lackadaisical. We're standing in a motion to go forward whenever we see that we can advance. Our anniversary's coming up March 4th, next weekend. And you told us on our first anniversary to obey our anniversary, March 4th. We stand and we go forward. We stand and we go forward. We take ground. We take ground for our community, for our families, for our loved ones. It's time to go forward. It's time to advance. Whoa! It's time to go forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So be encouraged. If you do not know Jesus today, now's the time just in the quietness of your heart just to say, God, I love you. I want to know you. I believe in you. I've done lots of wrong things. Forgive me. I, I, I want to trust you. You are God. Cleanse me from everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just say a prayer, something like that right now. Let somebody know if you prayed it. Praise God. Come Holy Spirit. We're going to take communion. 
If you need healing, feel free to come up front. We've got myself and Victoria, Tom, and Monica. But we're going to continue to linger over the next few weeks. Next week, we have a, a celebration afterwards, so we won't be able to linger very long next week. But all the month of March, we're going to have times of lingering uh, and just waiting on the, on the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Does everybody have the elements? Anybody who doesn't have the bread? Doesn't have the cup? Okay, I think we're good. So we're told that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he spoke and he said, these words that were to examine ourselves, to see that we don't take this communion unworthily. So right now, if there's sin, if there's something in your life, let's revere this communion. We, we ask forgiveness. There's no power in the bread or the cracker and the grape juice, but there's power in the obedience to take it. And his presence comes in our obedience to do it. So on that night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and after he broke it, he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Let's take it together. And after supper, he took the third cup, the cup of redemption. And he said, this, is, this cup represents my blood shed for you, each one of you. There's power in the blood. He says, as oft as you gather, take and drink this. In remembrance of me, let's take together. Praise God. Those watching online, we just want to bless you. We pray for healing power to come upon you right now, wherever you're sitting. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Come back later this week for a word from Pastor William Souza. We hope to see you then.